to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the 24th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of November 15th, 2020. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are nearing the last weeks of the church year. This week being the last regular Sunday, and then we kind of dig into Christ the King Sunday. So this is the last two weeks that we have Matthew as our leading gospel, and then we transition into Mark as we go into the next church year. So it's an exciting time of year. I don't know about you, but definitely being on this end of the microphone and trying to figure out these texts this year, especially in the later half of the year here, Matthew has been really difficult and really hitting hard in a lot of ways because of just the different things that we've been going through as people this year. This has been kind of a unique year, just a year where we keep having a lot of hardships in a lot of ways. And I felt like a lot of times Matthew was kind of speaking into that this year. And I think it's made for a unique, interesting year to be trying to dissect and think about these from multiple layers of context and thinking about it from a biological standpoint, along with trying to take it from a scriptural theological standpoint. It's just been a very interesting year to be thinking about that. And with the difficulties that the year has brought, I think it's also been a really good year to self-reflect and to connect with God a lot and reflecting on what are really important. What are the things that I'm really needing? What are the things that give life? What are the things that take life? And how do I work with that? And it kind of plays into the Twitter question we had last week, and it'll play a little bit into the text we have this week. But last week's Twitter question was, where do you get extra oil from your lamp? Remembering last week we had the bridesmaids with the ones with oil and ones without oil. And so I was talking about how do we find extra oil among us? And I had responses this week talking about different people who have brought life into them, being around people and being around kids and being going through Bible studies, being involved in music. These types of things bring forth energy and then fill our cups to be able to provide us the fuel that we need to keep going day to day. And I know this year has been a year where it feels like that's been something we've all been needing to focus on a little bit more this year to be able to really contemplate and understand how do we make this work. Because this has been a year that has been, I think, very emotionally, physically, psychologically draining. And so how do we find those sparks of joy? How do we fill ourselves up to be able to take on the next day? It's been a very important part of the year. And I think it's something that we really have to be contemplating. And as we, at some point, get through this, I think it's this time and this place and where we're reflecting on and thinking about these things will be super, super valuable as we move back into whatever the new normal is to remember what these key elements are and not just to fill our lives with other things, instead focusing in on the things that are actually giving us life. So let's just jump into it this week. The Gospel text this week is coming out of Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. This is kind of a familiar Gospel text, but it goes through and how there's a man who calls his slaves to him and gives one of them five talons, another two talons, 
and one on Talon and goes away. And in this time, we had the one with five doubles his, the one with two doubles his, and the one who only had one was really scared of what the master was going to do. And so he buries his treasure, buries his talon. And the master then comes back and goes through and is very thankful and thanks repeatedly the ones who doubled and the one who didn't. There's a lot of, what were you doing? You could have at least invested into the bank and at least gotten my money back with interest and tells him to give the talent to the one who had already doubled with to 10 and then talks about how there will be gnashing and weeping as thrown out into the darkness and essentially get rid of you. And we'll go into this a little bit further, but this is just a really interesting text in a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways in which we can take it this week. The first reading this week is from Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7 and 12 through 18. This is kind of an interesting, kind of plays a little bit into the text of what we got in Matthew, but going through and how we can't just look forward to the day of Christ's coming. There is more going on and that there isn't just going to be peace and harmony when that happens. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be hard things that are coming. There is going to be devastations and battles and all these things. And yes, we are gods and he will still be with us, but don't just purely set your sights on that. There's still the time in which you're at right now and make sure that you're continuing to do the work that needs to be done now and not just purely focused on what it's going to be and sitting back and relaxed and content with where you're at at this moment. The alternative first reading is from Judges chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Now this is the last week we'll have the alternative first reading for a little while. So it's kind of a sad moment that we're kind of letting this go for a few months here. But I think it's a really interesting reading to go into here for multiple reasons. One, we talk about here at the beginning of chapter 4 how the Israelites again have lost sight of God. God then allows them to be overtaken. And in this time, there is a prophetess, a wife, and a judge named Deborah. So a woman leadership, so a super cool moment here. And how she gets summoned to talk to Barak. And kind of a questioning, why haven't you listened to what God's been telling you to do? Go up to Mount Tabor with these people and he will help you take control again. And it's this idea of what's been going on in this chapter. The Israelites lose sight of God. He raises up a leader. The leader then helps them remember this. They listen to God. They celebrate. They give praise and thanks to God and keep their eyes turned to God. And then that person dies and they fall back. And so this is kind of this continuation of this. But I think it's really cool and really important here that we have a woman prophet coming here in Judges in this chapter. So really cool little section here. The psalm this week is Psalm 90, verses 1 to 8, optionally 9 to 11, and verse 12. This text is really interesting, and I would even contemplate doing the whole psalm and not just cutting it off here at 12, but thinking about our lives as this 
commitment to God and how, again, we're thankful for what God has done in our lives, but not getting fully focused on what life is after, recognizing that we still have the gift of today and we don't know how long that gift is going to last, that we're going to have so much time. And so then what are we going to be able to do with this time? This is time is so valuable. Then let's make sure that we take advantage of it and we don't squander it. We see it as precious and we hold it as precious. The second reading this week is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. This is the last week then here that we're in 1 Thessalonians, kind of closing out this section here. And here Paul is reminding these people that you are children of the light. Now, remembering that to dwell in that and that there are going to be things that are trying to take you away from that. But remember that we are all children of the light. And especially with all the turmoil that we have going on right now, I have to say, I have to agree with a little bit with Talked in Sermon Brainwaves by Caroline Lewis here. The line that I think is really powerful is, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. This idea that we're all in this together and that we're all trying to work together toward this goal and we're all together seeking the light, that we're all working toward this salvation that is coming through Christ Jesus, but we have to keep our eyes fixated and be children of the light and continue to be that and realize that that is who we are and not just get consumed with everything else that's going on around us. But before we jump into how faith and science come together in this text, we have to do our shameless plug. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I highly recommend them because I use them on a weekly basis. And if you haven't checked it out, they had a major site redesign this last week. I'm still getting used to it, but it really helps be able to see some of the things that are coming up a little bit easier. And it really is this really cool place to be able to join in in conversation along with having different unique ideas from multiple theologians. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. There's a lot going on here this week. And as we have the last more regular Sunday before we have Christ the King Sunday next week, of Matthew's gospel, is this really that unique that we're having something like this going on? Again, remember that this is a text in Matthew here coming right before the betrayal and Jesus in his last days here before going to the cross. Here we have this thing talking about the talons with the slaves and doubling that. And here, you know, within a few days here, we'll have the questions on, do they know this man as we get from Peter and the dying and what are they going to do with all this stuff that Jesus has taught them over the last three years? There's a lot there. We have the whole aspect of how much a talent is, which is 6,000 denarii, which depending on your source, can be anywhere from about 10 to 20 years wage. Remember, this isn't taking out Social Security and everything. This is 10 to 20 years wage given to them all at 
wants. This is huge amounts of money that is given to these people at this moment. And I can understand how you have the one who wants to bury it and just keep hold of it. And as I picked up from a sermon this last week from Pastor Corey Furman, that was a little bit the trend at that period of time. You held that to the side, and when they came back, you gave it to them. And here we have this whole turning that up upon its head, this idea of why didn't you at least invest it so that it at least would gain interest on what was going on. A lot going on. Here we have this comforting God, which we get in some of the texts that we have this week, coming from like the First Thessalonians and the Psalm this week, being just opposed against the wicked slave, the slave who didn't, and we get the wrath of God, which we see a little bit in the Zephaniah text, along with, you could argue, the Judges text where it's like, come on, people, what have I been trying to tell you? Like, do something. I've been trying to lead you through this. When are you going to do this? So we get both sides of God in this gospel text and in these texts this week. We get God the comforter, God the provider, the one we want to be real close with, but then we also have these texts of we need to continue to give God our respect. How do we balance these? But while also realizing if this text is looking at us, how much have we been given beyond what we could ever gain practically at one moment, and then what are we going to do with that? The whole word talent becomes talent. The whole word talent comes out of talent here that what are you gifted with? That was picked up from Ralph Jacobson this week in the Working Preacher podcast. So what are we going to do with all of this? I was thinking about it, and there's a couple ways that we can take this and look at this from a scientific perspective, some of which we've even talked about semi-recently. When we've talked about raising money for science and how does science work, part of that is being the challenge of being able to be funded. And we've talked about that, and I can attach some links down below on that stuff, that the fight, the, the work that goes on just to be funded in science and the things that you have to weigh to be able to do that. But when you acquire that money, the expectation is that you're going to use it responsibly. The whole idea of like when we give to nonprofits or when we do science is that you're going to do good science. We have these ideas of being able to read through enough scientific studies and looking at enough other people's research that we're, one, trusting that the research is solid and what they're doing is being told is the truth. We're looking at a peer-reviewed journal that hopefully other people have duplicated this study and that I'm trying to expand upon or make sure I can duplicate what has gone on with this study beforehand or be able to move it into the next phase and be able to take what was learned and further apply it in new and interesting ways to help us understand more. Is this not that much different than what has been happening here with the talents? This man gives these slaves these talents and what we learn is the expectation is that you're going to do something with them, that you're going to make something of this. And I do find it very interesting that the slave who didn't do anything 
gets still ridiculed for not even investing it to get interest. What does that fully say? To me, when I look at it, it's we get out what we put in. If you think about it, when we are gifted this, these people are gifted with these talents. They went and did more work to be able to show the master, look what we were able to do. I was able to work with this and make this grow. And even the person then who buried it, it was like the denial of having the chance to have something grow. We talked about even semi-recently here again about how we cling on to this idea of things not changing. And yet when we look to our yard, we look at trees growing constantly, we look at leaves changing and seasons changing. And so this fallacy of the human experience that we cling on to this idea that things don't change and yet they change all the time. It's us that have the hard time understanding that we are changing. That's a human construct that we're blind to a lot. These other two slaves, the good slaves, if you want to put it that way, are recognizing that things change and that I still need to be able to grow with that. Meanwhile, we have this other slave who's clinging on to the idea of I just don't want to lose anything. Thus, nothing is going to change. I don't want anything to change. And at that moment, that lack and holding on so tight to not having something change cripples the ability for anything new to grow. How often at that moment with the lack of ability to grow and to better understand our creator and grow into our faith as we were clenching our fist and holding this, that that ability of lack of growth is actually disconnecting us. I've talked about this before and I'll attach videos and links down below. Chernobyl is a perfect example. When Chernobyl happened, people abandoned the area. But when we, and scientists have gone in and continued to monitor, you know, the amount of radiation, and is there more mutation rate higher in that area? And it's still slightly above the last I heard and when I've looked through recently so that they haven't had people inhabit it. But in that, that did not stop nature from doing what it was doing. Okay, cool. We're taking over this thing. And nature has continued to be what it is and grow, which has led to a very interesting study site for multiple different things going on. But it also is this living reminder of how frail and fragile and simple our idea of modern society really is and that nature doesn't work that way. And no matter how much we try isolating ourselves from it, we are not. We are part of it. It's the question of will we let it become part of us? And the reason that I go that route is when we are trying to separate ourselves from nature, are we not like the one who receives one talent? Because at that moment, are we not understanding the gift, the talent, the ability, the things that God has given us at that moment to cherish? When we look at the judges reading, yet again, reminding the Israelites that God's still here, just listen to me, I'm trying to help you out. It's that we lose sight of the gifts that we have been given. What are we going to do with those gifts? And these gifts don't have to be monetary. These gifts can be skills, abilities, different things that God naturally gives us to do something. 
Just like when you donate to nonprofit organizations or when we are giving grants to scientific scientists or scientific groups, the idea is that they are going to, within the best of their abilities, use that money wisely. Why then, when it comes to our faith, do we not think the same way? How often are we like the one who receives one talent because we don't understand what we've been given? 10 to 20 years wage. But think about all the gifts that we have been given naturally just by you being able to listen to this on the other end of this mic. The technology that's sitting around you, the gifts of financial and the abilities that God has given you, much less the place that God has placed you, the time and place that he has given you to do something, which we are reminded in the psalm that do something with this because you don't know how much time you have. Are you going to make the most of it? We expect in life, in business, in science, that we're trying to be as efficient as possible. Why then with our own faith do we overlook so much that it doesn't allow us the possibility to see what the gifts are that we've been given to be able to grow? Because if we weren't able to see that in science, we wouldn't be able to make observations. Without observation, science is nothing. There is nothing then to observe. If we can't observe anything, what is it? The pursuit of knowledge is dead because we can't observe anything. No matter how much we try to take biases out, there is always to some extent the human eye looking at data or observations or whatever and trying to interpret it through our mindset. At some point, the question is, when we are observing that, are we looking with a growth and possible change or what does this mean? Or are we trying to cling on to what we've known? Are we afraid of losing so much that we miss the possibility for growth? That's where, to me, the end of the First Thessalonians reading comes in. Because if we have this growth mindset, this idea of continuing to move forward, this idea of what is God gifting me and what is he trying to work with me on, or taking the gifts that we have been given in science, in research, or whatever to continue to move forward our understanding of whatever we're doing, we are trying to encourage each other to grow. We can have disagreements that are still encouraging. But there can't be this idea of trying to cut someone down in it. We're trying to still encourage and make sure that we're understanding and we're having growth in discussions that are positive to move us forward or to further understand each other. We may not fully agree. Hence, why does science have multiple different things where we have differing ideas on what possibly could have happened? Because we're leaving the opportunity for growth in there. But seeing the value of what each brings to the table. Brothers and sisters, we have to be able to look beyond just having the fear of God. But respect the fear. We have to have the ability to take this idea of, I have been given this, what can I do with this? To not only grow my faith but grow my connection, my ability with God, not only with me, but with the people around me so that I can be a person of the light like Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians. 
that I can then wake up and realize the blessings of what has been given to me, like in the psalm this week. But that also means being brutally honest with yourself and the people around you at times when it's, we are not walking in the light. We are getting content. We are not pushing forward and challenging ourselves to discover to discover God, to discover the creation around us, to understand who our creator is. If our creator creates, aren't we supposed to create? If we are to be like our creator and made in the image of God. And in order to create, we need to be inspired. And in order to be inspired, we have to get out and push and challenge ourselves to get inspired by seeing things in a new way, to think creatively, to go outside of that typical comfort zone, to understand and be pushed and to see God in a new way. Take those talents and what can you do? Take your talent and what can you do? So the Twitter question I'll have for you this week is how are you going to challenge yourself to grow in your talents? How are you going to challenge yourself to grow in your talents? There's still a month and a half left in the calendar year. What can you do? How can you grow? How can you make sure that that hand is open? How can you make sure that the mind is open to be able to grow and be in this growth mindset? To grow with your relationship with God, to grow with other people in this weird world that we're in, even though we have to be physically distant, but that we're socially connected, what are you going to do? We expect and challenge and expect ourselves within science, within our lives to constantly be able to invest in things or do things to grow. And I see that our creator in these texts is asking us the same thing. We think it'd be crazy to have quit challenging and growing in our understanding of science at 1850. Think about all the things that we've been able to figure out since then. I just think about it just from the transportation side. There would be no airplanes. There's no automobiles in 1850. It would have made it very difficult to be able to have you hear this podcast because you would have had to be in the same room as me because there wouldn't have been this type of communication. I would have had to write a book. That's just not the world entirely that we're in because we continued to grow. We continued to see opportunities on how we as people could become closer together and why do we not look at it the same way with God. When we're investing and looking toward the future, we also have to realize the value of what we can do today for the future. And so it's not this pure looking and casting to the future. It's also this idea of looking at what can I do today to get toward that. And that's part of what we get in these awesome reminders this week. So as we dig into and think about this last Sunday before Christ the King and as we exit Matthew for a while, we have to understand that the talents and abilities that we have been given are gifts of God. And what are we going to do with them? Not only for today, but thinking to the future and not getting obsessed with the future, but also staying present. Because if we get too far gone in either direction, we aren't moving forward. And that's the balance and the reality of life that's so difficult. And it's the interplay that science plays with all the time. We, we're looking toward this. We should be able to do this in some time we just haven't figured out how to do it yet but we got to keep working at it faith is the same way and i really hope and pray that we can continue to do that within our own lives because the master will return at some point and i know for myself 
I hope to be able to give him more than what he initially gave me. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.